Hey everybody, Ray Kozak here, St. Paul Lutheran Church in Clarence Center, New York. We're going to read John chapter 11, a great story of Jesus and Martha and Mary and Lazarus and a bunch of other Jewish people who are grieving and excited about what Jesus is going to do and uh, the story of how he's going to go and do something to make himself famous and get him arrested. Alright, that's the story today. It's good. Uh, it's great. Let's read it. First, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for the story of Lazarus and how you uh, called him to life and how, um, how you call all of us to life and uh, call us to faith in you. And um, let us walk with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Uh, remember, we just left off Jesus. Uh, it was a few months earlier. It's the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, which happens you know, in the winter. And now it's almost, uh, it's springtime, we don't exactly know, but uh, the next chapter, uh, or the end of this chapter, he kind of, uh, you can tell it's just about the Passover, so it's springtime. All right, so some time has gone on, and verse 1 here says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now you might be thinking, well, I don't remember that in the story. Uh, that's coming up in chapter 12, the next chapter. Uh, John just sort of prefigures it, and he assumes that we kind of know the story uh, from the other Gospels. So verse 3. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So think about this. There's messengers that come from Martha and Mary, and uh, they expect Jesus to come back with these messengers. But he's like, nope, not going to do it. Uh, he's not going to die. And uh, Martha and Mary are like, what? Jesus. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. You know, God sometimes doesn't make sense, right? Like here, it doesn't make sense that Jesus would not go um, because actually the illness did lead to death. Verse 7, Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. All right, Jesus is full of these uh, statements that make you ponder, right? So think about that. But Jesus is saying, I walk in the light. I'm going to do uh, what is good right now uh, in the light. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Yeah, he's taking a nap. He'll be fine. Um, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So, you know, why? We might ask, why did Jesus allow this? Well, he says here, it's so that your faith may be tested and so that your faith may be strengthened. Um, interesting. Verse 16, and this is important. We're going to see Thomas uh, several times in, uh, in these next books here in uh, chapter 11. Uh, also again in chapter 14, chapter 20, chapter 21. He shows up. And uh, here he says, the first thing we hear from him, let us also go, that we may die with him. 
right? He's like, fine, Jesus, you want to go, go to Judea where they want to stone you? Yeah, let's go. We're gonna, you're going to die, and we're going to die with you. Let's go to our death. Uh, let's go join Lazarus, all right? So uh, interesting stuff. We'll, I'll come back to Thomas a little bit later. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Oh, by the way, four days. It was probably already, by the time the messengers got to Jesus, he, uh, Lazarus was likely already dead. Um, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Think about this. Uh, it's like a funeral luncheon, extended, several days, and... Um, and Martha is expected to be there, but she leaves. She leaves because she hears that Jesus is coming. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Um, she has a lot of faith, right? She has faith in Jesus and Jesus' words in the resurrection that God will do at the end. Um, and now Jesus is going to say sort of a paradox. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So think about this for a moment. Resurrection means that you have to die first, right? Uh, I'm the resurrection means going to die, then be raised. And the life means that um, you don't die, right? I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So this, this contradiction between rising and uh, not having to rise because um, you never die. Well, obviously, uh, it's a paradox that Jesus solves. He says, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. This is the first confession in this gospel of anyone uh, confessing Jesus to be the Christ. And she does. And also that the Son of God. Now, for her, the Christ, the Son of God, are equivalent the way that she says this here. Um, and Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, but he is more than just the Messiah, uh, more than just the anointed one. She will come to see that the Son of God, that he is literally the Son of God, not just, and by the way, Son of God oftentimes would mean like king uh, or equivalent to anointed one, uh, not like literally the Son of God, God himself coming in the flesh. That, so this is, uh, her faith will be stretched. All right, verse 28, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, tone is everything, right? Is she sad? Yeah, probably. Is she angry? Probably. Uh, is she hopeful? Maybe. Likely. Yeah, so we don't know the tone, but uh, all of those things are, are likely in there. When in uh, here, we'll see that Jesus offers no explanation, right? Why he didn't show up when he was called for. We do see this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
uh, deeply moved here. You can see your note. <coughs> the note in the ESV says indignant. And we might wonder, why would John say that he was indignant? Why was Jesus indignant? Why is it translated deeply moved? It's kind of a, an unusual uh, emotion here. But he's indignant at Mary? No, probably not. He's indignant, I think, at death. At death itself, which is this enemy of, uh, of the people of God, enemy of God's creation. So he is indignant in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And likely they're thinking they want, Jesus wants to go weep at the tomb, just like they thought Mary was going to weep at the tomb and mourn. And he does. Verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, or indignant again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. That's not what they were expecting. They were expecting maybe some prayers, uh, maybe some more weeping, um, maybe some silence. They weren't expecting Jesus to, to say, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he's been dead four days. Uh, check out the King James. It's, it says something like this, Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> yeah, he, he likely did stinketh. Uh, he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Wow, that's awesome, isn't it? Um, check out John 5, 28 and 29, which we read before, and it talks about how uh, at the last day, um, the Son of Man will call, he will, he will call with his voice to all those in the tombs, and they will come out. And uh, so... Here is the first of that instance, Jesus crying out to this tomb, to the man in the tomb to come out. Verse 44, <clears throat> by the way, this is the seventh sign. <clears throat> I don't know if I mentioned all the other ones, but verse 44, the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And I wonder how he's actually getting out of the tomb. Is he like, is he hopping? Is he sort of like a wiggle man? Who knows? What's he, what's, how is he doing this? But because Jesus said, come out, he's able to get out of the tomb. This dead man that should stinketh. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Reminds me of chapter 8. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Oh, is that awesome? Great story. This is the, a sign, sign number 7 that uh, prefigures what Jesus will do on the last day and that Jesus does even now because, uh, because he talks about how we have life now. Um, anyway, good stuff. Not everybody likes it though. So let's take a look. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council, that is the Sanhedrin, and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. See, this is really the trouble with um, the Sanhedrin, why they hate Jesus so much. Uh, not just because they think he's teaching false 
false doctrine and leading people astray as a sorcerer, doing miracles um, in, in the, by the power of the devil. It's because they're afraid of losing their place and their nation. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 49, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Wow. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Now, this plan has been in place much earlier. We see in Mark, it's like uh, chapter 3. It's like the beginning of the story, uh, but it's more like localized, like we've got to get rid of him here. Now it's a plan. Now uh, they know they're going to they're gonna arrest him and crucify him this Passover, the coming right around the corner. Jesus, verse 54, Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. And I think I mentioned this before, we have an arrest warrant of this Jesus of Nazareth, most likely a copy of what the Pharisees, what the Sanhedrin here um, made. So if anyone knows where Jesus is, we're going to arrest him. And uh, I love this next chapter. It's like, yeah, it won't be long and everyone's going to know where this Jesus is because he's going to be coming riding in on uh, a colt and everyone's going to be claiming him the Messiah. Uh, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here he comes. Get ready for him. Uh, that's what's coming around the chapter, uh, next chapter. All right, good stuff. Uh, hope it's encouraging to you. Uh, so much to meditate on. Jesus uh, saying to each of us, come out. And we may be bound in uh, the cloths of death, uh, but he is more powerful. Thanks be to God. Hope you have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye.